The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. And if you would turn to Luke chapter 22, I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited about being here today. I hope you are. <clears throat> we'll be going till about 11.30 or 4 o'clock this evening, somewhere around there. So hopefully you don't have any plans. I've got a captive audience this morning. The praise team, they did a good job, and I appreciate that. It was a new song there at the end. But I came in and saw them all wearing ties, except J.C. So I said, why y'all tell me he's dressing up today? You know, I had a test tie in my office. I said, I got a tie with a fish on it. I'll go put it on, I guess. And uh, they said, well, next week we're wearing dresses. So next week I'll have a dress on. So uh, I know that's coming. We've been talking about guess who's coming to dinner over the last uh, several weeks. We still actually have a couple more weeks that we'll, uh, we're going to address this topic, but uh, probably you've not noticed that as we've been talking about guess who's coming to dinner, we've been moving towards the cross because that's what Christ is doing. He has started his teaching. He's, he's headed towards, uh, towards the cross, and as he's headed that direction, he stops at a lot of places and eats. Uh, he eats with uh, several different groups of people, and today we're going to talk about uh, his last meal, and uh, guess who's coming to dinner today? In the past, we talked about uh, some of the folks that have been coming to dinner today. Uh, this group is hosting a dinner, and Christ is kind of leading out in that, so he has some dinner guests coming Today and uh, this last supper, I, we met this morning. We had a good time of fellowship and a brunch this morning. If you weren't a part of that, we'll probably do that again next year if the Lord hasn't came back. So come at 930 and be a part of that fellowship. But I asked that group that was there and I ask you now to think about what would you request if you knew that this was your last supper? You may say Maylocks, you know, I'd hate to think about that, but, uh, but no, think about this, uh, the resurrection uh, is in the morning, and, and you have one last supper, what would you, I thought about that, I'll give you mine to start off with, and, and uh, I, I won't spend a lot of time there, but I thought, I love deer meat, you know, I love backstrap, and uh, I would probably like some deer meat, and some mashed potatoes, and some gravy, and uh, I like these wrapped up green beans with bacon, or asparagus, either one, and Angela, and I'm glad to see y'all here. She, she introduced us to those. That's Alan's wife. They've been friends since first grade, and me and Alan has. But uh, anyway, I would like some of those, and then I'd like some pork chops. <laughs> you know, I could go on and on. Uh, I like meatloaf, and uh, I like homemade pizza. So I'm going to have a buffet, you know. And, and uh, so what, what would be some of your last uh, supper uh, requests? Fried potatoes and tacos. You've got to be a weirdo in every group, don't there? <laughs> tacos. You can have tacos anytime. <laughs> Somebody else. Biscuit. There was some sausage gravy out there today. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. That good old gravy. You don't make gravy from a mix. You take that bacon grease and you put some flour in it and you stir it. Get it brown. It's got to brown. Not turn brown. It's got to burn brown. There's a difference, you know. Pour a little milk in there. I can make gravy. Sometimes you can pick it up and bounce it. Sometimes it'll run off your plate, but it'll be there. Somebody else. Enchiladas. That I like Mexican food. 
Somebody else. Oh, my goodness. A cheeseburger. You got one chance. <laughs> cheeseburger. Ballard's, catch your son. <laughs> Somebody else. Ribeye steak. Boy, that's hard to beat right there. Cook medium. Do what? Boy, it's going to be moldy. <laughs> Oh, spaghetti. Isn't that funny how we got... All of these come from this side. What about over here? T-bone steak. Ribeye steak. Do what? Pecan pie. Boy, that'd be good. What'd you say back there? Chicken and dumplings. Ooh, some fried chicken would be good, and you fry a whole chicken, don't buy cut-up pieces, and fry the liver. That's the best part. We used to fight over the liver at my... Because those chickens, you know... Pat, y'all didn't put all liver back in them chickens always. <laughs> we get one little liver and a whole chicken, you know. Boy, it's funny how there's a whole bunch of different ideals about, boy, if I could have one last supper, what would it be? Well, today we're going to talk about, nobody said lamb chops. Does anybody like lamb chops? Our ag teacher, Mr. Harris, is not here. He would say, I love lamb chops, because that's his favorite. Uh... I've ate them a couple different times. I can tolerate them. They're okay. But we're going to talk about bread. Do y'all like those rolls that you let out and they rise, you know, and then you go back and cook them? Boy, those are good, don't you? Ladies, y'all need to get back to that, baking that fresh bread now. We're going to talk about the cup. And what do you like to drink? Many different drinks. And we're going to talk about the lamb today. But in Luke chapter 22, and I've got to move on or I'm going to run out of time. We'll go down to verse 14. As we're thinking about guess who's coming to dinner. And we're thinking about the Last Supper. We're talking about the bread and the cup and the lamb and all the preparations. And verse 14 in Luke chapter 22 said, When the hour had come, Jesus and his apostles, they reclined at the table. We've talked about that already, kind of what that picture would have looked like as they reclined around the table. And Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired, your, your, uh, your translation may see with fervent desire, and that's the word I'm going to use. It may say with great passion. However your translation says, Christ is talking to his apostles and he says, I eagerly, I fervently, I, I passionately desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, the apostles, they don't understand all that Christ is talking about. For I tell you, I'll not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, "This, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I'll not drink it again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And verse 19 says, And he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he said to them, This is my body, which is broken, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me with me is mine on the table. And the Son of Man will go as he has been declared, decreed. But woe to the man 
who betrays him. Now, we're going to stop there, and we're going to really go back and think about Christ. Now, when we read this, you might have recognized this as the Lord's Supper. You might even thought about the picture of the men reclined around the table and the picture that we have so often of the, of the Lord's Supper. And you might not have think about it as the Last Supper, but that's what it is. So I want us to think about how did we come to this point in Christ's life. And think about this. Remember how old the Lord Jesus was? I'm talking about the, the baby uh, when he returned from Egypt. Remember, they, they go to Egypt and the story about the wise men and they came and they brought their gifts to this little child and many feel that Jesus was probably about two years old during this time. And when they arrived, Herod became insanely jealous and he, he decided that he was going to kill the baby Jesus and that's why he had uh, every, every male child under the age of two was killed during that time because he wanted to wipe out Christ because he had heard the word, this is the new king coming. So Herod was, he was jealous about those things. So he, he says, I'm going to kill all these people. But Joseph, listen, now this is important. He was warned in a dream to go to Egypt. So he went to Egypt for a safe return. That fulfilled a prophecy in Matthew 2, 15. It says, out of Egypt, I have called my son. Now, why is that important? Because in Egypt, that's where Christ is. And that's where he's returning from. When we see this story and we think about last week I was gone. I had to go to work. I didn't volunteer. I promise you, I hated going. It, it really uh, upset me. I don't want to go spend a lot of time there, but I had to go. And, and uh, we were going to talk about Palm Sunday. That was last week. And, and, but this is where Palm Sunday comes from. And I, I wonder when Jesus returned to Egypt, if he ever went to Goshen. And uh, that's the home of where his ancestors and, and uh, for, for so many years they called that home. And matter of fact, Rich Mullins, he, he put that question in a song. He said, Joseph took his wife and her child and they went to Africa to escape the rage of the deadly king. And, and where that's talking about is Egypt, that, that where he's actually at. And there along the banks of the Nile, Jesus listened to a song that the captive children used to sing. And they were singing, my deliverer is coming, my deliverer is standing, my deliverer is coming, and my deliverer is standing by. That's a song by Rich Mullins. And, and whether Jesus thought about those things as a child, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but we do know that for 400 years, the people were shackled in Goshen in Egypt. They were, they were there. They were making bricks for Pharaoh. It seemed to be no hope of release. And y'all remember, some of y'all, y'all might have watched uh, the, the, the story that, that Charlton Hest was in this week on TV. Is it called the Ten Commandments or is it called something else? It's Ten Commandments, right? Last night? Is that what it is, Ten Commandments? Uh, but that, that's the story about Moses, the prince of Egypt. And at one time, y'all remember, Moses tried to, tried to release the children, but he tried to do it uh, in his own might, in his own power. He tried to, to, uh, to, to get the Pharaoh to release him, and, and he killed a man, and he ended up running out to the desert. And, and uh, later God said, okay, Moses, you're my man, and he sends him back. And, and Pharaoh's heart's hardened, and, and uh, as Pharaoh's heart got harder and harder, and all of these plagues came, and Pharaoh's heart got harder and harder and harder, we come to the last plague. Y'all remember what that was? That was when the uh, that was when the the death angel was going to come, and it was going to take those those children from everyone in Egypt, from everyone there who doesn't had the the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, and and that's called Passover. 
And, and when we've seen that, this, this last-ditch effort that, that Pharaoh's holding out and, and God says, okay, here's the, here's the plague that's coming on you. And he instructed the children of Israel to go and to, to take a lamb and to bring the lamb into the home and, and sacrifice the lamb and take the blood of the lamb and paint it over the doorpost and, and down the side of the door. And when the death angel came, that when he saw the blood of the lamb, he would pass over that house. So he, he passed over those things, and, and following that, Pharaoh finally said, Okay, take your people and go. It, it broke his will. His, his heart was finally softened enough that as night fell and as all of Egypt cried out, Pharaoh said, Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to turn to God. I'm going to relent to God, and I'm going to let the children go. And, and so we see this, in it's great jubilant procession. They, they leave Egypt, and they're marching, and they're celebrating because the Passover had occurred, the Passover of the, of the, of the death angel, and they've been made free by the blood of the Lamb. And that's what they celebrated. Because of the blood of this lamb, we're made free. We're made free. So the, the feast of the Passover began. That's why it began. That's the, the whole purpose why it began. And, and that feast occurred some 1,400 years earlier than when Christ is here. But before Christ ever came up, they began to celebrate their freedom by the blood of the lamb. So every year, it was a rallying point. It was Easter Sunday. It was Resurrection Sunday once a year because they would come together and they'd say, this is the Passover celebration. And we remember that we were held captive and we were held bondage and Christ came and, and because of His blood, the death angel passed over us and, and we're going to celebrate the Passover. So that's where we see Jesus comes here and He says there to His disciples, I have a fervent desire... I desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So this morning, as we think about this fervent desire that Jesus had, the Passover, it began this year as many other years. It began with a huge celebration. And, and what we didn't talk about last Sunday, all of these thousands of pilgrims, they would have packed into this city. They would have been coming and, and they would have been, trumpets would have, would have blown the announcement that, hey, the temple's open. It's open for worship. Come in and worship. And all these throngs of people, they're, they're all celebrating together. And, and as Christ is brought in, they, they see and they, there's this little murmur around. And there's, there's a group around saying, who is this Christ? I mean, who is this person? And, and when they came there to Jerusalem, they would have brought their lambs. Why did they bring a lamb? They're celebrating the Passover. They bring their own lambs, and they're hoping that their lamb will be chosen for the Passover. They're hoping that, that the priest will take their lamb, and he'll, he'll use it, and he'll use it for that celebration. How many times that they came? How many, how many times had this group gathered around to be a part of this Passover feast that was taking place here? So when they had traveled to the to the, to the place there, and I'm sure there was probably some conversation about who, who traveled the farthest. Scripture says there were people there from all over Palestine, from all over Egypt, and down into North Africa. There was people that had traveled from all over to come be a part of the Passover. This morning, there's a group of people with them have traveled from different places to be with your family, to be with your friends, to, to come to this place. And, and we all travel to come, to come think about this special time of year. I hear on the radio, they say this is a high holy day for Christians. Why? 
because we're talking about the resurrection. And, and during this time, that was a high holy day. There's this buzz of excitement again about Jesus. He's, he's coming and he's riding on a donkey and they're celebrating the Passover and, and they're saying, who is this Jesus? And they said, there he is coming. And, and the Bible says that they took palm branches and they, they began to lay them down on the streets as their new king came to town. See, they'd have said, hey, I think this is it. I think, this, I think this Christ, this Jesus, he's our new king. He's the one we've been waiting on to come and to set up his kingdom. See, they missed something in there. They, they thought Christ was coming to, to set a kingdom up. Matter of fact, the apostles, they'd already sat down and said, hey, can I be on your right hand in your kingdom? Can I be on your left hand in your kingdom? You remember we talked a couple of weeks ago, and, and as people came and sat down at the supper table, the, the most important person sat on the right the next most important person sat on the left, and then the next most important person sat there, and the next one there. And, and, the, and the apostles were jockeying around saying, okay, you're going to set up your kingdom. I want to be your right-hand man. Hey, well, if I can't be the right hand, I want to be your left-hand man. All of these preparations, all of these things have been happening, and, and they're coming. They're, they're celebrating and they're thinking, hey, we got Christ here. He's going to come in. He's going to set things straight. They've been awaiting this deliverance from their, their captivity still. And, and how appropriate when the Passover fell. See, Jesus said to them, with fervent desire, I desire to eat this Passover. It could be said of them. Christ said, I desire to eat this with you. It could be said of them. With fervent desire, they desire to eat this Passover with Christ. I mean, what of Jesus? He, he, he bears the knowledge himself of what this week's going to hold. He understands what lies ahead. He, he understands that, that as sacrificial lambs were brought into the city, as they were entered into the city, they were brought there for one purpose, and that was for a sacrifice. And Christ, as he fervently desired to eat this meal, as they fervently desired to eat with him, he realized he was the Lamb of God. So there we have a group of people, they're, they're together, and, and today is his last night of ministry. Think about that. Christ has been walking with his disciples, he's been teaching them, he, they've seen miracles, they've seen all this was the last night. Christ understood that. They didn't understand that yet. This was his, his last night of being able to sit in fellowship with these 12 men. I mean, this was his last time that, that, must, that he's going to spend time, and then this cup that he came for uh, must be taken. See, he understood that as he was led into the town, as so many families were leading their lambs into town, he realized he was coming as the sacrificial Lamb of God. But he had this desire with fervent, eager desire, I desire to eat this Passover with you. Here's the second thing this morning. We see broken bodies. It was a custom of Passover in, in Jesus' day that, that a certain act be performed during, before the meal. A, a number of times the cup was shared. Y'all may, some of y'all, and I keep referring to sermons, you can go back and listen to all these online, but, but there was a, a cup shared, and y'all remember we talked about washing and about the blessings and all of the different things, and, and kind of like a wedding sometimes, there would be a, a cup and somebody would say, you know, I want to toast the, the groom, and they would say something, and they would all have a, have a drink, and then somebody else will, well, a number of times during this meal, the Passover meal, there would be a, a blessing pronounced. And when that blessing was pronounced, uh, there would, they would all drink of the cup. But here's the interesting thing. After the second cup, cup was revealed, the youngest member there, 
who was in this meal, he would say, why is this night any, any more special than any other night? That was his job. He would say, why is this a special night? And when he said that, the leader of the house would tell the story of Exodus. He would go back and he would remind all the things that took place and there would be a thanksgiving about how God came and, and all the plagues came and the lamb was sacrificed and the blood was on the doorpost and all of those things, all of those things would be told again. This youngest member would get to ask that question and then, and then the leader there would get to tell the story. And, and I got to thinking about this. John, who was probably the youngest apostle there, he would be the one that asked the question. As Christ was there, as the cup was raised, as Jesus was hosting, John would have got to say, Christ, why is this night any more special? And in their mind, they would have been thinking, you know, we're going to hear this word from Christ, and he's going to talk about bringing people out of Egypt. He's going to talk about how the the plagues were there. He's going to talk about the blood of the Lamb. He's going to tell the story. And we're going to sit and we're going to enjoy. And, and Jesus, instead, he takes the bread and, and he breaks it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When you look that word broken up in the dictionary, it says to become damaged or to damage something so that it separates into pieces, to cause something to stop functioning properly. That was, that was what Christ has done. It's kind of remarkable to me that when the Lord Jesus, he took up the loaf and he made this pronouncement, he was the only one in the room not broken. He was the only one there that was whole because all of those others were already broken. And, and that, that bread he had, he said, this represents my body. It's whole. It would have been a, it would have been a loaf of unleavened bread. And he would have taken it and he would have begun to break it. And he said, my body, which is whole, which has never known sin, it's been broken for you. And, and I want you to take it and you're going to eat. And, and I, I can imagine as Christ looked around at the table, I want you to look around at the table this morning. And I want you to think about that table that was filled with brokenness. Those folks that were sitting around, don't forget who was sitting with him. Levi was there. Levi was a, was a hated tax collector. He, he carried the scars of having, having brokenness. He, he carried the scars of having cheated people who had, who had stolen from people. There was, there was Simon the Zealot. He, in modern language, he would be Simon the Terrorist. He was a terrorist. He was there. He had once been broken by hatred and by revenge. He was a broke man who was sitting around the table. Sitting there was, was Peter. He was a hothead. Y'all remember Peter? Any, any hotheads here this morning, don't answer for your spouse, you know. Sometimes just fly off the handle. I mean, he had all he could stand. He couldn't stand no more. And, and boy, he was a hothead. There was Peter. He was somebody that was a, a broken man. He was ready for a fight. And, and ultimately, he would be broken in a few more hours as he gathers there around the enemy's fire. There's Judas sitting at the table. Judas, who's, who's already probably departed at this part to, to go get those who, who, as Judas betrayed him, was, he would bring and he would betray Christ with a kiss. As Christ looked, as he broke this bread and he said, this is, this is for you, he understood the brokenness of the people that sat around the table. He didn't require them to be perfect. perfect, perfect. He just said, hey, my body is broken for you. 
And that was that picture that we see that, that no hope of patching ourselves together. And Christ says, because we can't fix ourselves, I'm going to break my body for you. In the midst, we have a, watch this unbroken Son of God. We watched Him walk. We watched Him talk. We watched Him eat together. We watched Him sit around the table. We watched as broken women came and fell at His feet. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We, we watched as He sat on a hillside and, and took a couple of loaves and a couple of fish and how He, he fed a multitude of people that were broken. I mean, we, we see this Christ who, who has ministered to broken people becoming broken Himself. That's the picture that we have here at the resurrection. And he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. For the brokenness of humanity that we inherited, Christ says, I was broken for you. For, for eternal life that he was given, he said, I'm breaking my body that you can have eternal life. For, for the Son of Man who gives a ransom for many, he says, I'm giving myself a brokenness to you. Then he takes the cup. You know, we're talking about the, the lamb, the lamb of God. We're talking about the bread, the, the body of Christ that was broken. And then he, he takes the cup. Now, on the 14th day of, of Nisan, the lambs, they, they're brought into the city with this great celebration. I mean, that's what happens. And they're, they're taken out to be sacrificed. Unlike other sacrifices, that sacrifice had a lot of meanings. What that meaning was that, that something had to die for sin. That was the meaning of the sacrifice, that something had to die. And, and although they understood that this sacrifice didn't cancel their sin, it simply represented something as each home brought their own lamb. It represented that, that there's an old covenant. Y'all know what the old covenant is? The old covenant starts in Genesis and it goes through Malachi and it's called, we call it the Old Testament. And the old covenant said that there had to be a, something made, the, the shedding of blood for the covering of sins. That was an old covenant. And all of these people, as they, as they were a part of the Passover, as they were a part of bringing the lambs into the town, as they were a part of, of giving their best to God, they would have been partaking in an old covenant. Just a shadow, just a picture of that which is to come. That's what they were being a part of. And, and this old covenant, Christ says, I came and I'm changing covenants. And the covenant is in my blood. And he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant. And the new covenant is the shedding of my blood for the remission of sins. You know, as Christ came, as he gathered these people together, he took the cup and, and the Lord Jesus, he, he's forgotten sometimes that he takes this thing, he takes this, this thing and he says, this is a new covenant, which is my blood. And what he's teaching is this, no longer is the, the, the blood of lambs and the blood of goats and the blood of dove and, and whatever those that people could afford to bring as a sacrifice, no longer were they useless. No longer were they useful. They, they had become useless. Because Christ says, I'm canceling the old covenant. Now, did he do away with the law? No, he fulfilled the law. The law is the Old Testament. The law is the old covenant. Did he, did he abolish it? No, he said, I came to fulfill this law. What was the law? Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So Christ said, I came, this covenant, verse 20, this cup is a new covenant, which is my blood, which is shed for you. See, those group of people there, as they, they would have begun to understand Christ became my sacrifice. He became 
the Lamb of God. No longer do we have to bring a lamb and no longer does He have to come into our family and be a part of our family for 14 days and no longer do we feed Him and care for Him and then take Him out to be sacrificed. No longer do we have those things. No longer do we take His blood and do we pour His blood on the altar for forgiveness of sins. Now we have a new lamb, a a body that was broken for us. Now we have a new covenant, the blood of Christ that was shed for us. See, Jesus took those common table elements, those common things that were gathered around the table table on the day of the Passover. You know what's kind of ironic? Well, it's not ironic. As all these things came together at the Passover. It's kind of like going to a going to a safe and and turning a knob and turning a knob and turning a knob and all the tumblers line up together and then the door swings open. See, that's what happened at at this Passover. At this day when, when all the tumblers were into place and God had planned it that way and said, this Passover meal, I'm sending the perfect lamb. He's going to become your sacrifice. His blood's going to become a new covenant. And the covenant's going to be the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the cross, there's, there's no salvation. If Christ had not died, we couldn't stand before God as, as innocent. And we, we get that simply by this, by saying, God, I believe that you sent your son to die for me in my place. I, I think the new covenant is that, that we understand that the blood of Jesus covers us. Here's the thing. We have to ask for that. We have to simply say, God, I, I understand that. And, and I understand that your door of salvation has swung open wide. And, and I want to be a part of that. John, he was there and, and uh, he was out preaching and teaching and uh, Christ was coming into town and, and John looked and saw Christ and this is what he said. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This morning, would you bow your heads? I want you to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. People that celebrated 2,000 plus years ago, they celebrated the Passover because the blood of the Lamb had set them free. Folks, today we celebrate Easter Sunday. We celebrate Resurrection Sunday because the blood of the Lamb has set us free. It's a free gift. It's not our default location, but it's a free gift. Christ says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Christ says, I I call you, I woo you with my Holy Spirit that I want you to come and I want you to receive a free gift of forgiveness. I want you to take my body that was broken for you. I I want you to take this perfect Lamb of God and this body that was broken for you and I want you to put on the new covenant. I want you to clothe yourself with the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. I want you to be covered with the blood of Christ. That's what this day's about. Because Christ went, and the, the Bible says that, that the wages of sin is death. Christ paid, this, paid that payment. He paid the wages of sin. He died. But the gift of God is eternal life. When Christ defeated death, he defeated Satan, he defeated sin. And we celebrate today because he rose again. Hallelujah. Christ is risen today. And because he is risen, he gives us a chance to be a part of his new covenant. Father, I pray this morning 
that we would see you, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. I pray, Father, today that we would see you, that we've been made free by the blood of the Lamb. And we would celebrate today because of your resurrection, because of the grace that you offer. Father, I pray today that as we come in this place, Lord, that we would walk close with you. Lord, we may not understand all the questions and all the answers and have all the things, but Lord, we know this, that we're sinners without hope. We're broken as we sit around the Lord's table. But your grace brings us together. Your grace glues us back together, and your blood seals us for eternity. Lord, I pray now your spirit would move freely within this place. I pray, Lord, that we'd feel your presence move among your people. And I pray that you'd be glorified in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray.